From Valley Public Radio, you're listening to COVID-19 This Week, San Joaquin Valley. I'm your host, Kathleen Schock, with health reporter Carrie Klein. It's May 21st, 2021. Months after the COVID-19 vaccine first became available in the U.S., it has now been approved in adolescents 12 and older. So should your kids get it? Pediatricians resoundingly say yes. And Carrie's here to help us explore why. Carrie, welcome back. Thanks, Kathleen. First, as usual, let's begin with our valley-wide snapshot for the last week. Well, as usual, the numbers are looking really good. So new cases in our area are hovering around 150 per day, and deaths are slowly falling. Around 20 new deaths were reported in the last week, which is an order of magnitude lower than during the winter surge earlier this year. So that's great. Hospitals, too, continue to slowly empty out of COVID patients. And when it comes to business reopenings, all counties in our area are in the same tier as they were last week, all in the orange tier except for Merced, which is still in red. However, the pace of vaccinations uh, continues to slow, as we began reporting on weeks ago. And for the last few weeks, only about 1% of the population has gotten their vaccine each week. This brings us to 28% of our region who are fully vaccinated and another 8% partially vaccinated. That's still something, but we have the healthcare capacity for many, many more vaccines every week. Now, when we ran this segment last week, it was only a day after the CDC had relaxed masking guidelines for people who'd been fully vaccinated. That seemed straightforward enough, but it's generated a lot of controversy. What's the latest? Right. Well, so after that announcement last Thursday, lots of doctors and health experts and health associations came out and said those guidelines were premature and lacked context for people. And so some of those arguments include the fact that lots of people who haven't been vaccinated will gladly remove their masks, even though they technically haven't been given the green light to. And there's no way to verify, of course. Um, Also, children under 12 are not eligible to be vaccinated yet, and they could still contract the virus from someone who either hasn't been vaccinated or possibly they have been vaccinated but are still carrying it. And then, of course, you know, the virus could then circulate in schools. You know, Dr. Anthony Fauci of the CDC has come out and said the guidelines were intended to make people feel safe once they'd been vaccinated. But many who decry those guidelines fear that damage has already been done and there's no way to walk that decision back. As we said earlier, we just finished the first full week that children 12 and older have been able to receive the Pfizer vaccine. Just as with adults, many folks are reluctant to vaccinate their kids. But Carrie, I understand you spoke with a local pediatrician this week. What's her take on expanded vaccine eligibility? Yeah, so I spoke with Dr. Anne Van Garcia. She's an associate dean of the New College of Osteopathic Medicine at California Health Sciences University in Clovis, and she's a pediatrician by training. And her response to adolescent eligibility to the vaccine is categorical. She's thrilled as both a doctor and a mother. She says she's been evangelizing the vaccine to her family since it first became available. I feel that strongly in it that I've, I encouraged my own father to go. I encouraged my husband to go. I, I took two of my children to go. So yes, I, I believe in it. I wouldn't have gotten it myself and gotten it for all my family if I had any concerns about it at all. And she's looking forward to when her youngest child, a 10-year-old, will also be eligible. Very early on, data showed globally that children are at lower risk of infection and severe disease than adults. Why does Van Garcia say it's important to vaccinate this age group? 
Well, there are two main reasons. One is that kids can still transmit the disease. So they may have mild symptoms or none at all, but they can still carry it from, say, the classroom back home to their elderly grandfather. And so the vaccine could help prevent that transmission. The second reason is that even though the risk may be lower, it's still there. As of earlier this month, 127 adolescents in the 12 to 17 age group had died of COVID so far. That's across the entire United States. And so that number may pale in comparison to the more than half a million deaths in total. But remember, that age group has a very low death rate overall. And so that total is actually really significant. That 127 does make COVID-19 actually in the top 10 causes of death in the United States for adolescents. So accident, car accidents, you know, suicide, gun violence, all of those things, it's in the same category as all of that. So all causes of death total, COVID-19 is in the top 10. But then, of course, death is not the only bad outcome in children. There's also that mysterious inflammatory disease with unknown long-term consequences. Yeah, that's known as multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children, or MISC, and it affects an order of magnitude more children um, than who have died of COVID-19. In this next audio clip, um, Van Garcia uses the term sequelae. It really just means health outcomes. It affects many different organ systems um, in children, including the heart, the brain, the kidneys, the GI system, the eyes, that sort of thing. We've had over 3,700 cases of that since the pandemic started. And that's terrifying because even though this, the, the patients didn't all die of it, we don't know what the long-term sequelae of that are going to be for their heart, for their brains. You know, what kind of long-term health problems are we going to have? So from what we know so far, how well does the vaccine work in adolescence? It appears to work incredibly well. I mean, if you recall the original clinical trials of the Pfizer vaccine, it was reportedly around 94% effective in adults. In adolescents, clinical trials showed it was 100% effective. Not a single kid who got the vaccine developed COVID afterward. We do know that actually their um, immune response has been better um, than in adults, which is not surprising. We we expected that, right? They're they're a young, healthy population who not only have had a lot more recent of vaccines than uh, a lot of us adults, but also have you know are on the tail end of having a lot more infectious diseases in general. Because you know, it typically as as kids go through preschool and school age, they they meet a lot of viruses, and their immune system gets educated about those viruses on the regular. The most common side effects among adolescents are reportedly the same as in adults. You know, achiness, fatigue, chills, and fever. They might even be more common among adolescents than adults because their immune systems react more strongly. Anaphylaxis did also occur in rare cases, which is why vaccine sites must still observe everyone for 15 minutes after their shots, and a doctor must always be present at the clinic. But just as many worry that clinical trials in adults were too short, Many others worry that the clinical trials in adolescents were too small. What does Van Garcia say about these clinical trials in kids? Well, it's true that the size of these trials was a lot smaller. You know, about 3,000 adolescents were enrolled in clinical trials versus more than 40,000 participants in adult trials. But Van Garcia says that's because as long as a vaccine is safe and effective in adults, you typically expect the results to be that good or better in kids. And besides, at this point, 280 million doses have been administered throughout the U.S., and of those, 4 million were in kids. And so however small people may feel the clinical trials were, there is now real-life data to back up how safe and effective these vaccines are. Got it. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen.
You've been listening to COVID-19 This Week with reporter Carrie Klein. I'm your host, Kathleen Schock. Thanks to our news director, Alice Daniel, and engineer, Don Weaver. We'll be back next week. And be sure to check out our other weekly podcast, Valley Edition. All this and more at kvpr.org.